0: Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers.
1: Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Farhana Dalla. She is author of Thank You For Leaving Me. She also is host of her own show, Master's Gathering, and she has a great story to share with the listeners today about overcoming challenges and obstacles after going through a rather arduous divorce and life change. Hi Farhana, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Angela. Oh, I just want to just make a little correction, if you don't mind. It, the, the Master's Gathering is actually a Harrison Klein show, and he has gifted me this amazing opportunity to actually do the interview. So I, I appear as the host, but it is Harrison Klein's Masters Gathering.
1: Great. Thank you for clarifying that. And we will make sure that we provide information for the listeners who might want to tune into that or connect with you regarding that. Farhana, before we talk about your book, can you give the listeners a little bit of background and history about you? I know that you originally started out in the corporate environment and did different things in your career before doing what you do now. So if you could share some of how your life evolved up to the point of your life change, that would be great.
0: Oh, sure. Um, you know, I I had this, like, uh, straight from young, I kind of knew, and like every job I was at, I would I would just kind of know it was going to only be two years. Mm-hmm. And that was well before the term consultant ever came out. So I just looked flaky.
1: <laughs> <But> really,
0: <laughs> really what I knew is I knew what needed to be done. I was happy to do it. I wanted to hire my replacement, train them and go. That was it has always been my methodology. Mm-hmm. And so I you know, I was so relieved when the term consultant came out because now I, I had a validation for what the skill set that I actually have is. And so I had great, and I, and I always I had great jobs. I always had, like, you know, surprisingly great jobs for someone who was young. And and yet, I was itchy to move. And when that term came out, it brought me peace. And one of the areas that I had a real Mac at was training. So I uh, I joined up with Dale Carnegie, and I was a master trainer with them, and had the opportunity to train, oh, I don't know how many thousands of people, and, um, you know, strong leaders and managers and stuff. And... It was phenomenal, and it was the gateway of me entering into business for self, which any you know consultant type of person has this entrepreneurial itch to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, do things there. Um, so that that was a beautiful gateway, and I and I ended up really expanding into management coaching and leadership coaching, and I was doing a lot of that. And my kids started to come along, and I had uh, you know have three small children, and I was uh, married for ten years, and on a Valentine. Valentine's Day is uh, is when my whole life shifted.
1: Mm, mm.
0: I my marriage came to a crashing halt on Valentine's Day um, when I found out that my husband had actually given a gift to another woman, and uh, suddenly everything was just out.
1: I can and, imagine uh, that would be a very shocking life event, especially after things going smoothly. They sound like they went smoothly. You had your children and you know,
0: your career yeah like i had what looked like the you know good life mm-hmm. um but inside i knew that i was like undernourished like i knew that i was, mm. there was inside of me i was i was i was empty and when my marriage came to that crashing halt that day i want to tell you something that surprised me but at the moment i wasn't even aware enough click into it. When my husband told me that he had, actually, he, he had actually been wanting out for a long time, he'd actually made plans to move out of the house. I didn't know any of this was going on. It was like, what? What? I was just like, just in complete shock. Mm. But the first feeling when he told me that it was over was relief. Mm.
1: That makes the sense. Next
0: feeling, the next feeling was fear. But mm-hmm. because fear seemed more logical, for how I should be feeling, mm-hmm. that's the one I latched onto, to. And that's mm-hmm. the one I took on the runaway train. Right. <laughs> that, that makes sense.
1: I can understand that completely. Before we talk a little bit more about that turning point in your life, I would love for you to share with the listeners some of the things that, looking back in your career and the things that you did, because it sounds like you've had a wonderful career so far and there's more to come. How did that affect your skills and your character and your ability to deal with the situation that happened to you because that's part of what I know that I've learned from my own story is that these things in my past helped build me up and prepare me for the things in my future that weren't necessarily so great. So are there's things that you learned along the way, being a young mom, being career oriented, that helped you face your life
0: change of divorce? You know, that is just such a great question. And I, you know, I, I really believe that at any kind of massive turning point in our life, we have already been seated with all the skills along the way. Yes, and those came along with you know our regular life experiences, the way our family dynamics were, and also the the choices that we've made like in, in, in and certainly my career choices helped me because if you look at the mindset of someone who's a consultant or an entrepreneur, it is. About movements, like, okay, so how do we fix this? How do we get mm-hmm. it better? How do, how does, and, and I came from a coaching background, so I was used to always talking to managers about change management. Mm-hmm. So really, I had this cultivation of like language and skills that I had been pulling together along the way. And while I had that cultivation, in that moment, I gotta tell Angela, I couldn't remember a single one of, um remember <laughs> any of them. because in that moment, I was human and fearful and collapsed and all of those things. But then I said, okay, well, all right, now is your moment. Right. Now's the time to
1: pull up the sleeves and
0: do the work.
1: That makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad that you shared that because I think that's important for people to remember. We often get to those points, whatever the situation is. It could be divorce. It could be loss of some other type, death, a career loss or change, moving, things like that. But when we get past that initial shock, fear anger hurt whatever it is and start looking back at our story we can draw strength
0: from that absolutely and so i asked myself how you know how would i coach another Mm-hmm. Because, you see, when we're doing it, to our, when, we're, when we're in our own stuff, we, we can't see the forest from the trees. But that's why it's easy to go in and really help people with their stuff. Right. <laughs> because we can see things clearly. Yes. So I pulled a detachment, and it was like, how is it that I would tell, you know, how would I coach another? Mm-hmm. And I started to, oh, I, I would tell them that they needed to get, a, uh, like, they needed to make a vision very quickly on who it is they wanted to be. mm Mm-hmm. And that became the driving point. Then I started to think, okay, because I knew my mind was going crazy mm-hmm. with all of my fear, my anger, my, my you know shame, my betrayal, all of those things, those emotions that were that were you know coming up in huge ways were clouding anything that I could do with any clarity. And I needed to get clear very, very quickly on who I wanted to be. Because the thing is, it helps the brain. It just gives the brain something to do. I knew also in this moment that, you know, I have my children were six, five, and one at the time. And I knew that, particularly for my six and five-year-old, because they were watching me, that it wouldn't matter whatever I said to them in the future about what to do they were going to be blueprinted and imprinted by what they saw me do.
1: That's right.
0: That's right. And that's powerful. And and this was the grandest teaching moment that I was ever going to have. This Mm -hmm. was it. Mm -hmm. And so I very quickly created a vision as to what I wanted. I call it my Club Med vision. I call it my Club Med divorce. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like that. That sounds intriguing already.
1: Let's talk about, though, how did you... Balance, Because we all know that in order to move forward, we need to get clarity and get real and get focused and be motivated to move forward despite our pain. But how did you balance the feelings? Because as you know, we can't just shove them aside completely. They're there. They're within us. There's all these things going on in our mind about how did this happen, why, what, etc. So how did you balance some of that in order to deal with your feelings, but at the same time, set an appropriate example for your children and be your best self to move forward?
0: Okay. Okay. This that I'm about to say has never occurred to me before, but this is what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> this piece never occurred to me before. But what I did know is that the year before, I had, the year before, and the, basically the two years before, I had started to cultivate my own self-awareness, mm-hmm. and I started to cultivate my own personal development in a, in, a, in a very much more meaningful way. And the year before, I had read the book, Conversations with God, written by Neil Donald Walsh. Phenomenal book. And it Love was it. A, a total game changer for me. What I what I knew then is from his book, I was able to identify truth. I understood the truth of who I was. Mm-hmm. And so the moment that I understood the truth of who I was, everything that was untrue started to crumble. Mm, that's and powerful. So that, yes. And that was the impetus for every type of crumbling. And now when I'm thinking about it more and more is... So many people's lives are going through tremendous shift and change. Chances are, in the last little while, you have become more and more aware of who you are. Mm -hmm. And in that, that is what precipitates the crumbling. So even when the crumbling happens, you're not without resource because very recently resource has come and made itself known to you. So I latched on to all those aspects that, that I was getting peace and relief from. My bookshelf, I devoured. I redevoured every book on there. I became very, very voracious in my uh, own desire to become more aware because I knew that whenever I became more aware, I became more free. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be there more than anything. I knew that I couldn't be victim and free at the same time. And while he gave me a lot of good-looking things to stay victim, there's no freedom in being a victim. That's right. And to live a big freaking life Mm -hmm. that requires my freedom, my freedom of expression, my freedom of... So I, I knew I needed that. You know, what also occurs quite often when there's a massive life shift, that friends that were in resonance to the old us may not be resonant to the new us. That's true. So and so, there's no blame there, and there's doesn't nobody has to be made wrong there. It's just that things have shifted, and their life hasn't, and and it's uncomfortable for them too. I mean, you know, if, you know, we all there's a ripple effect. We shift, and the people around us get a bit crunchy because now they, by the nature of it, also require a shift of some sort. Some will take it on, some won't. But don't don't worry about that. That has nothing to do with us. I knew then that I needed I needed a circle of people, mm-hmm. and I prayed. I, I remember I was in the car, I was driving, and I said, "God, please send me a circle of women mm. like who lived right close to me, because I lived in a in a town, a new t- a town that I had just moved to, and I said, oh, you know, I couldn't drive into the city all the time, and the three kids it was really challenging for childcare, and so I said, please send me a circle of women, and that was it that night. I came home and I listened to my answering machine, and yes, I still had an answering machine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I listened to my answering machine, and there was a, an invitation to join an artisan group. The group had already been in session for four weeks. Why they thought of randomly thought of me to bring me into that group is only the work of angels. That's right. Wow,
1: that's awesome. And that leads me to another question. What was your support system? How did you handle family and friends and their thoughts and feelings about the situation you were facing and dealing with? Because I know that one thing that you shared already is to have support around you, to have people that can walk through the journey with you and be loving and supportive and encouraging and not encourage the victim mode so how did that work out for you and, and what are some of the things you can share with the listeners about dealing with family and friends that may not agree with how you're handling something or what your decisions were at that moment
0: to make your life better? One is to ask because I know for sure that when you ask, ask the universe to send you right aligned people that can help you get to your next Place it comes and be very, very picky about who you actually connect with. Because here's the thing whoever we engage with, we entrain with. Mm. So pick really high the people you want to entrain with. And chances are there are also people undergoing a reinvention, too. What, what I found for me is when, they, when I was with people that were also undergoing reinvention, I was not stuck to the old me. I didn't have to show up a certain way. Right. I could kind of explore the new me a little bit. And because they were exploring themselves, too, there was no expectation of who we were going, you know, expectation of who we were. Right. We were more interested on who we were creating ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. That makes and so, sense. Yes. So pick pick high. And you'll always know if you've picked well. You'll know if you picked well when you've had a, a lousy moment and you've shared it with someone. And after that, you actually feel better. If you actually feel worse, that means they fed the victim in you. Mm-hmm. If you actually feel better, that meant that they fed the freedom in you, the freedom of you that's already magnificent. the place in you where they don't see you any different, that you had a meltdown one day. Who cares? They still see you in your true self, which right. is amazing and magnificent. Yes. So surround yourself with people who can see the true you.
1: That makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad you've shared that. How do you then... And I'd love for you to offer specific tips to the listeners, deal with the people that are not going to be supportive, that encourage the victim mode, because I know from my own experience even, that's been challenging at times when there are people that are family that I definitely can't just release from my life, or lifelong friends but they're just not fitting in with my healing process and my growing process. So if you could share with the listeners how you deal with that, because that is a struggle for a lot of people.
0: You know, I, I remember when I, you know, you know for about six weeks, I went into kind of hiding where I just, you know, I, I, I just, it's like I didn't, I collapsed all my clientele, I collapsed my friendships, I collapsed everything. Mm-hmm. As I went, as I just cocooned trying to figure out and just the sheer volume of trying to manage my own emotions and my own thing and, and looking after children, it was like just the sheer volume, it wasn't, it, it was enough to keep me out of the loop but really a lot of it was fear because I didn't know what to say to people. Mm. And, uh, and I had this like cloak of shame, like somewhere I had failed. I had failed so horribly. And so I had this big shame on me. And then I remember meeting someone in a parking lot and they asked something about my husband. I said, oh, we're no longer together. And they said, oh, my God, what happened? Mm. And right then, then the words came out. And I said, It is what it is. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed from that is that there was no further conversation to be had. Right. What I knew is that I wasn't ready to talk about it. And I also knew that they were more interested in the intrigue and the drama, and I would not feel better after a conversation with them. Right. That makes sense. And so there was no way that I was going to take that little light of mine that I was stoking, that I was working so hard at trying to stoke, and give it away to that person like that. There's mm. no way. And so you just complete the conversation. Well, it is what it is. Mm. What is the response after that? No one's made wrong. No one is made right. It doesn't, it doesn't invite the conversation. And if you look at it, kids do this all the time. They just shrug. Right. <laughs> they do it all the time. They know They're. They're. That's their way of not inviting the conversation. Right. And I love that
1: because I think that's part of growing in our own selves and our own story, and not being victim is not having to bash and badmouth the other person. Whatever the situation is, it could be a divorce, it could be a friendship ending, or a business relationship that's gone sour. I think that's really powerful for us to be our best selves is to not have to go down that path. And especially when we have children, when it's related to a divorce, to not put ourselves in that place to belittle their parent.
0: Well, this part is so critical because, you know, you know, like my children are made up of 50% me and 50% him. Mm-hmm. That's
1: right? right?
0: That's their DNA composition. And if I shame their parent, their other parent, if I just shame their dad, I'm inadvertently shaming them. That's right. 50% of them, they have to, is has now got this cloak of shame on them. And if I ever have them in a place where they have to create any loyalty choices, what I'm asking them to do is is to actually discard half of them.
1: Yes, yes. That's powerful, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because I see it happen again and again, and I think that people need to stop and put their own stuff aside and think about how their children are being affected anyway because they're losing mm-hmm. usually their typical home environment and the family unit and things like that. So why on top of that would they want to feel less of themselves or feel at fault for the breakup?
0: Mm-hmm. We, have, we have to release our need to be right.
1: Yes. What are some of the things that someone getting a copy of your book, Thank You For Leaving Me, would get out of it? How would it help someone? And is it geared to men and women, or is it specifically for women who have gone through divorce?
0: Well, I'll tell you, when I wrote it, I totally thought it was a chick book. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because it was... You know, and how I even wrote it was a miracle on its own because I wanted to write a book on how to have a happy divorce because I was putting in my Club Med divorces, putting in that vision, and by golly, I was going to do it because I'm a, you know, I'm a go-getter-done type of girl. Right. And I wasn't actually having the happiest divorce and now I was annoyed with him. I was like, come on, we couldn't have the best marriage. At least, come on, let's get, get us the best divorce. <laughs> so, but still, that relied on, like that relied on, like the power of that relied on him too. I right. needed to do something that was just truthful, but I and I was writing that book, but it was boring, frankly. It was clinical. It was all the right steps, mm-hmm. and there was no inspiration in it. And one day, in in meditation, I got that the book that wants to be written is that one, and they pointed to my journal, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh no, there right. is no way." And they said, if you're really here to serve, that's the one. Because people need to know to get gotten. They need to be understood. And they'll understand.
1: They need the truth. They need the
0: unedited
1: version of what we really go through and how it really feels. And I'm so thankful that you've written a book like that. Because I think we all need to have more of that available to us. That's how
0: we learn from each other and grow. Now, my first two letters the first two letters I ever received and that's like kind of a joyous moment for an author like whoa someone wrote to me yeah the first two letters were from men mm-hmm. and that blew me away cuz I said I thought it was a chick book uh-huh. and and the kinds of things that they were saying was like I know I I um, One guy says, I'm Asian, and typically we never talk about our feelings, just culturally we don't. Mm-hmm. And I've not known the stuff that's been going on inside of me until I read it in your book, and now I feel at peace. Because this is the thing, Angela, we just all want to get gotten. We just all want to get understood.
1: That's right. And
0: the moment we get gotten, we can release our need. You know, like we can release something because we got understood. That's we don't right. have to fight this battle of hear me, hear me, hear me, because mm-hmm. now we feel somewhere we got gotten. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's, that's all I needed. You know, I just needed someone to understand.
1: Right. And I love that because that goes hand in hand with really being our true selves and learning who are we and what do we stand for and, and how yeah. are we presenting ourselves to others.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, I the book's got it all because, you know, it's life, right? So the book's got, you know, some not so pretty moments and some really heart opening moments and some humor and some wisdom. It's it's kind of got the milieu of life. And it while it uses the backdrop of my divorce, because that was my catalyst of going inside and really uncovering kind of um, really getting, you know, really uncovering so many life lessons. It actually is a book about life. Because when you think about it, people get divorced all the time. It's not that interesting. People Mm -hmm. get sick all the time. It's not that interesting. Uh People lose their jobs all the time. It's not that interesting. But who we become as the result of that is interesting. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's true. Right? Very true. Yeah. look, Look at you. Maybe you're the shining example of that. Well, thank you, ma'am.
1: Let me ask you then, because the title is a bit intriguing. Thank you for leaving me. Does that literally mean that you're thankful that your husband left you or that this all evolved into what it did? That must be a question that
0: some of your readers have about that. Well, remember I told you that the initial feeling was relief? Right. 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 So that was actually the first nuance that I got. But I didn't really hear So mm-hmm. much later uh-huh. that the truth had been spoken and things were in right order. You see, the truth always makes us feel lighter. Mm-hmm. So even sometimes when I got fired from a job, I remember I got fired from a job when I was 26 years old. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I got fired. But, you know, I was... I'm a marketing person and I was in an accounting job. Like there was no fit. And when this Jerry came in to fire me, I the first thing I felt was relief. But then I went into shame mode. Oh, I got fired. What does that mean? What does that mean? We attach a meaning to it. That's the problem. The real truth was I was relieved I couldn't do the job. I was no good at it. I was so relieved someone took it out of my hands. Mm-hmm. But makes then sense. I went and it all this other stuff to it. Right. The same thing here. I would have stayed in that marriage that was depleting me and depleting him. But thank goodness he spoke the truth. Right. That thank makes sense. Thank goodness someone spoke the truth. And so over time, like the book is actually divided into three stages, and I liken it to the lotus flower. So the first stage of the lotus flower is that the lotus seed is kind of born in the muck and the mud. So, you know, the first part of the book, you know, ain't so evolved, let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an <laughs> honest assessment. I love it. And then the second part of the lotus um, the lotus flower is that it, it travels up the vine, and the seed and actually, and the bud actually is faced inward. Mm-hmm. And the second part of the book is really, it really is the need. Mm-hmm. because that is when I started to look inward, and that is when I started to ask myself questions like, how is it that I, show me where I am 100% responsible for the demise of this relationship? Right. And that is the key there. If anybody is looking to move into a rapid relationship with freedom, the full freedom, that, that which you've come here to be, that is the question to ask. Where am I 100% responsible? And, you know, there's a temptation because I only wanted to do 50% for a long time. Right? Mm-hmm. I, you yes. know, I'm 50% responsible and you're 50% responsible for that. But I was never free with that because who the hell is free with, you know, one shackle on, right? right? You're That's not right. free, mm-hmm. right? So. There was no freedom in that because I was still waiting for something from him. Mm -hmm. But when I went into 100% responsibility, something occurred in that. And what that was is every time I claimed 100% responsibility for how my life was and the way that it was, what I was doing was inadvertently acknowledging the master creator that I am. And when I started to acknowledge the master creator that I am, I had an aha. I said, well, if I created all of this, I certainly can create something else.
1: That's right. That's powerful. Right?
0: And in that moment, I became a conscious master
1: Mm -hmm. creator. Mm -hmm.
0: And that is why taking 100% responsibility will free you in the most immense way. Mm Mm-hmm. It is acknowledging that which you already are.
1: Absolutely. And now
0: you add that in with your crazy hairy visions, add them in, and then you become consciously master creating your own life. And then the third part of the lotus flower is when it kind of comes to the surface of the water and it's kissed by the sun and it blooms. The result of taking responsibility is your empowerment. Mm-hmm. is your blue that's awesome
1: based on that then what do you say to people and, and I don't know if you shared any of this in the book but did you deal with forgiveness as far as forgiving perhaps yourself for your own role in the situation forgiving your ex-husband what did that look like for you
0: oh yeah forgiveness was a big thing so for the longest time, i worked on forgiving him. And, and I use every methodology. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a seeker. I have a basket of stuff that I put into. I, I'm intrigued by many different healing modalities and intrigued by many different learnings. And, you know, I would put all of that in. I love that part of me. You know, that just is always not, not seeking from a lack, but seeking from curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, forgiveness was a big thing. And I was, you know, actively in this role of forgiving him. And um, and I'll give you a couple a couple of things that that occurred to me on that one in a moment. The one moment, I I was having this huge rage that had started to build up inside of me and build up inside of me, and I couldn't figure it out because I thought I'd done so much forgiveness work. Where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that rage was word, but I was so angry with myself for everything that I chose not to see, everything that I didn't speak up about, everything that I had quashed my own spirit about. And then enter into forgiveness with yourself there again. (laughs) You know, the same practice that I was giving to him, I now had to give to myself. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that really helped me with forgiveness with him was every so often I would do these paradigm shifts. You know, I would have this, uh, I'd have a thought and I would go, and I would flip the thought upside down, and I go, What if it's this actually? And I haven't seen it that way before. And uh, I, I recommend that as a practice anyway, because it just allows you to take in so many points of view then. Right. And uh, one of the ones that I, I had was like an internal smugness. Like I've always had this, like you know, internal smug, smugness that I was the more evolved one in the relationship. I flipped that one around and I said, What if he's the more evolved one? And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, what if actually he was the more evolved soul that came here and showed up exactly as he did? Right, right. Mm -hmm. In order to give me these lessons for me to discover who I am. Mm. Oh, my goodness. I am so grateful to you. Mm -hmm. I'm so in love with you thank you. And all of a sudden, I had this whole new way of including him in this great expansion.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a lot of compassion.
0: And one day, I remember, this is when I kind of knew, this was a surprise to me, actually. There was one day I was in an interview and and the woman had asked me, was that the first time, you know, Valentine's Day that you knew about uh, the other woman? And I said, no. Now the woman that I talk about in the book is different than the woman I'm talking about now, but, because apparently there were several which I uncovered over time. But it, the second edition has the updated version. <laughs> but that the, was that the you know first time you knew, and I said, and all of a sudden I had this flash of this memory, and I said, no, I remember one day looking at him and saying, oh my God, there's another woman, and he goes, what are you talking about? And I said. I described her to a T, I said where she worked, I just had this huge intuitive flash, Mm -hmm. and it turns out that that's actually the woman he's with now, and they have a child together and everything, Mm. and she said, oh my goodness, were you, are you angry at yourself that you didn't follow that up then?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I said, and I just felt into my body, and I was like, no, I'm not, I felt no anger towards myself, I felt no rage, I felt no... Sadness, no shame, nothing. Mm-hmm. I said, no. And I was wondering why, because this is all in real time. And I was like, you know what? If I had acted on that knowledge then, we still had one more child to bring into the world together. Wow. It's powerful. You know? Yes. And so, so what occurs to me is that we need to forgive ourselves immediately for everything that we thought we didn't do in right timing. That's the right. The timing was right. That's right. The timing was right, even if we don't have the eyes to see it. hmm hmm Right? Yes. What if we just allowed ourselves to believe the timing was right? What that becomes for us? Because in that, I was no longer enraged with myself. Mm
1: -hmm. Love it. And I think that speaks to a lot about self-love and developing that self-love. And I know you talk about that in the book also. I'm just so in awe of everything you've shared and I'm sure the book is amazing. Can you share with the listeners where they can connect with you and where they can get a copy of the book? Thank you for leaving me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So here's the cool thing. The book goes for official launch next week, but unofficially... As of yesterday it already became a bestseller. So Wow, congratulations. <laughs> I know. That totally blew me away. So I am so I'm so deeply touched that this this has a resonance factor for people. And and remember I told you about Neil Donald Walsh and Conversations with God? Yes. Yeah, he wrote the foreword to my book. Wonderful. <laughs> you can believe that. Like I know. That was like oh my heart just like Oh, busted open. I cried when I read that forward. It was the most beautiful piece of writing. So www.thankyouforleavingme.com Yes, so it's available there. It's available on on Amazon. I also have a gift for the listeners. So right now, if they go to www.thankyouforleavingme.com you can also get eight free vignettes of the book. And you can also find that on my website at www.fahanabala.com F-A-R-H-A-N-A D H A L L A dot com, and you can get eight free vignettes of the book there. And thank you for leaving me dot com. You can purchase
1: the book. I'm so excited that you're sharing your story with listeners, that it's helping so many people already. And I'm excited that we had you on the show today to share with our listeners that your story matters. And I really, really wish you the best in your future endeavors and all that you're
0: doing. Thank you so much, and thank you for sharing sharing your audience with me, Angela. I'm I am deeply touched at this opportunity. I know that anyone who tunes in to the like of your show has already made some monumental inroads in discovering who they are, and um and are joyful with what they're discovering, as uh, as we all are, because we're all waiting for you, baby.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>